to Totalus Rankium. This week, Maxentius. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob. Ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus, and this is episode 55, Ooh. Maxentius. Ooh, yeah, he's, he's that He's emperor. that guy. Yeah. He is that guy. And here we are, we're back, back to the emperors. Yep. I did really enjoy doing Caesar last week. Yes, it was really good. Uh, very long. Very long. Very, but... very long. <laughs> yeah, but, but, really good. Mm. But as well as that, I am also very excited to get back on the main narrative. Yes. And find out what's going on in the Tetrarchy. Back to the Empire. Yes. So. Let's do this. Without further ado. Without further ado. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's just a weird joke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just start and we'll brush over that. Right. Okay. We don't know when Maxentius was born. Oh. Actually. It's been two weeks. Do you want a bit of a Tetrarchy? Please. Yeah. yeah, please. <laughs> okay. Right. So we've had Diocletian. Yeah. He brought in Maximian. Yeah. Then they bring in the two Caesars. Yeah. Galerius and Constantius. Yes. Yeah. Constantius was Constant is Constantine's daddy. Good. Um oh, who who's the other one? Who did you say? And then Maximian. He wouldn't he didn't know when to say no. <laughs> didn't know when to stop, did he? No, he didn't know when to stop. And he yeah. had a son called Maxentius. Oh, so this is Maximian's son. This is Maximian's son. Yeah, because he already screws him over, didn't he? Yes. So when Diocletian retires, forces Maximian to retire as well. Yeah. Two new Caesars come in. Yeah. Everyone thinks, oh, Constantine and Maxentius, but no! Mm. Not those two. Instead, Maximinus Dyer yeah. and Severus. Severus II. Severus II. Exactly. Severus then dies. Yeah. Horribly. Horribly, horribly. So Licinius is brought in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That covers the nine big names of the Tetrarch yeah, okay. Wars. Mm. Right. So... We'll go through that from the perspective of Maxentius. Okay. We don't know when he was born. Of course not. No. Late 270s, probably. Okay. Probably under Probus. Oh. Yeah. As in under the rule of Probus. Yes. Not literally. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that would be weird. Ooh. <laughs> his father was a high up general that, yeah. due to his friendship with the leader of the guard, Diocles, mm -hmm. was promoted to emperor. And Maxentius was around seven or eight. Oh, so we can work out kind of when he was born then, can't we? To the year. Roughly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Late 270s. All right. Yeah, so Maxentius, young boy, when his father suddenly becomes the emperor from nowhere. Yeah. Things are looking up for him. We have a child prince. Many oh, saw he's it. loving that. Oh, he probably did. What do you do when you're a child prince? See nowadays, it's sort of you go, you go to posh balls and stuff, and you just smell fresh paint wherever you go, and you clap and have a <laughs> photograph. Cut ribbons. And... Yeah. Yeah. See, back then you probably cut heads off and all sorts. Yeah. Oh, let's say you did that then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Many saw it as inevitable that Maxentius would follow his father. After all, this is how it's always been done. You're yeah. the emperor, your son becomes emperor. Yep. Apart from all those times where it didn't actually happen like well, that. Yeah, but, but no, in theory, yeah, yeah, theory, yeah. yeah. It's a nice rough tradition. As far as we can tell, however, he did not serve in an official capacity when growing up. Okay. So he just hung around playing games, chopping heads off. When Maxentius was in his mid-teens, Diocletian announced that there would be two Caesars. Ooh. Oh, this is where Maximian went, oh, my son, my son, my son. Yes, we think so. 
If Maxentius thought that this was his chance to become a Caesar, he was disappointed. Because instead, his brother-in-law was chosen. Constantius. Remember, Maximian had married his daughter off to Constantius. Yeah. Yes. Speculation this, but perhaps Diocletian reassured Maximian that his son, a mere teenager, would be able to join into the Tetrarchy in ten years' time when the cycle comes round again. Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah, it'd be fine. He'd be in his 20s by then, more suitable for ruling. Mm, Wise. Yes. Now, this next bit I'm finding, I'll admit, I'm finding this hard to pin down. In my head, and I've mentioned it before, Maxentius then goes with Constantine to live with Diocletian in Nicomedia. Yeah. Yeah. I read that somewhere in one of my books. Ooh. I then went to go and verify it through an original source and yeah. couldn't find it anywhere. Okay. So then I went back to my secondary sources just to find paragraph I read it in. Couldn't find it. Maybe I'm going mad. Maybe I'm going mad. Um, listeners, if you know... So if you know... Please tell us. Yeah, let me know where Maxentius went after Constantius was made into a Caesar. Was he with Constantine? Yeah. I think he was. Because it's around this time that Maxentius marries Galerius's daughter. Yeah. So Galerius Ooh. has just been made Caesar in the east under Diocletian. And Maxentius has now married his daughter. So it would make sense if Maxentius is in the east with yeah. Diocletian yeah. at this point. I think it, it just Nurturing, kind of makes sense. looking after them. Yeah, Diocletian's looking after the two young princes, mm. Constantine and Maxentius. So ties were meant to be built between the imperial families. There's a lots of yeah. intermarrying going on at the mm. moment. The, these different families are becoming one solid imperial family. Reminds me of the sort of the, in like the late 1800s. You got the kind of the British royal family, the German royal family, the Russian royal family. They're all sort of linked together, cousins and all sorts. Yes, of exactly. It's it's turning into one super conglomerate of royalty. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. doesn't sound nice, does it? Uh, <laughs> yes. So, Maxentius is now married to Valeria, Galerius's daughter. Together, they have two sons. Sorry, Galeria. No, Valeria. Oh, Valeria. Not Galeria, oh. although that wouldn't surprise me. No. Yeah. Together, they have two sons, Romulus and someone else. You're not going to tell me, though, are you? No, no, I literally don't know. No one knows. Oh, okay. You can probably guess what happens to him. Um dead. Yeah, he didn't last very long. But Romulus, that's a good Roman name, isn't it? Mm. Don't get too many Romuluses around. No. Yeah. It's like calling his, like those parents that call their kids the great. Yes. <laughs> it's that kind of ridiculous ostentatiousness-ness-ness. Yes, yes it's it ridiculous. is. It's like, um, um, you know when like there's a royal baby in Britain? It's like, we had baby George. Suddenly loads of Georges around. It's ridiculous. Are there? Yeah. That name's risen in... in oh, fair enough. I would take your... Is, is the new prince called George? I guess so. I, I really should know stuff like that, shouldn't I? You should. Our royal family should be proud of our royal family, Rob. They do so much work. <laughs> the history of our royal family, <laughs> yes, I've got that down. But as soon as it comes to modern royal family, it's like... Eh. Well, it's quite tiring calling all that ribbon. That's true. That's They're true. keeping the ribbon industry afloat here. Max Anxious probably finds this as well. <laughs> Giant yeah. novelty scissors. Did they have scissors in Roman times? I guess they would have, yeah. Shears, probably. Shears, yeah. 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 <laughs> Bit of a weird deviation there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, so we've got two sons, Romulus and an unknown one. Maxentius is around 20 at this point. Hmm. We don't know what Maxentius did for the next few years, but let's do a little bit of speculation here. Party. Party. Well, I, I went had... to Gordon and partied. 
I have some bits for us okay. to later right, on. You don't right. need to pull this out of the ether. We know that Galerius spends some time shoring up his support when Diocletian was ill. Remember, Diocletian falls yeah. ill. Galerius is trying to choose the next Caesars. So he's trying to make friends. Yeah. When you join a new place of work, what's the first thing you do to make friends? You go to the pub. You have a drink. You go for a party. Galerius. Oh, Galerius. Oh, yes. sorry, okay. I've switched people. Oh, Confused man. you. No, no, I'm talking about Galerius. All right. You remember Galerius and Maximian? Yeah. At that secret meeting that perhaps oh, was yes. a secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we speculated before that Galerius was shoring up his, report, his support. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So we know that that meeting happened. Right. We know that shortly afterwards it was announced that Severus and Maximinus Dyer would become Caesars. Yeah. Maxentius was passed over again. Ooh. Remember, Galerius is his father-in-law, and Galerius is working behind the scenes to pass over Maxentius. That's not nice. That's not nice. Well, you'd so, still be paranoid and a bit worried. You, you would. So speculation time. Generally, what I'm trying to boil this down to is, what do you think the atmosphere was like over Sunday dinner? Oh, brilliant. Um, you, you can imagine Maxentius saying that, oh, uh, Galerius, can I get you some more gravy? And then he'll say, oh, actually, no, or do you want someone else to give you the gravy? Am I not good enough to get the gravy? Yeah. Do you need a certain for that? A certain Gene Caesar or something? <laughs> then he'll laugh at the pun. Yeah. It's hilarious. It is a hilarious pun. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think it would have been pleasant over dinner, would it? I think Galerius just wouldn't look at him at all. Or who no. Mean? I'd look up and just put his hand in front of his eyes. Oh, I get more of the impression Galerius, what we learn about him, would have just been staring angrily at Maxentius throughout oh, the whole day okay. with his crazy <laughs> eyes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Big um, bulging eyes. And um, Maxentius was just looking slightly embarrassed because he knows his father-in-law hates him. <laughs> yeah. So maybe timidly just saying, can I have the peas, please? And then Galerius just stares. There's a huge pause. And then Maxentius just keeps eating without peas because... Knows he's yeah. not going to get peas. I think he gets the smallest pudding as well. He probably does. A little tiny jelly. I would say Maxentius and Galerius did yeah. not get on. This is what I'm speculating. Uh, possibly, yeah. You you think there'd be a bit of resentment from Maxentius and Galerius just thinks oh, he's just a young young kid. Yeah. He's nothing. Maxentius, our Christian source, if you remember, mm. the one who provides the detail, the gruesome detail. Yes. But all the bias. Yeah. Says this about Maxentius at this point. Maxentius was a man of bad and mischievous dispositions, and so proud and stubborn withal, that he would never pay the wanted respect either to his father or his father-in-law, and on that account he was hated by them both. It's a lack of respect, then. Yeah, so you have this idea Maxentius is a bit of a... Maybe a bit of a party animal, maybe just a bit... Told you. Pampered, yeah, he's he's not treating his elders with all due respect. Mm. And Lactentius goes on to further talk about how Maximian didn't like his own son. Oh, yeah, really? It's not it's not just that Galerius doesn't like Maxentius. Maximian doesn't like Maxentius either. That's interesting. Well, he must be a horrible person then. <laughs> if you remember what happens later. Which I won't ruin it for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But maybe you are remembering. Where, where he tries to join Dad, yeah. 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 But, I mean, who knows if this is true. Was he really hated by both of them, or was he merely passed over in a game of politics? And this is what Lactentius decided to write in his history, because he hates them all, because none of them are Christian. That's who, true. who knows? Either way, Maxentius at this point was bitter and frustrated. He had been passed over for Caesar yet again. Ten years later. Ten years later, this was his chance, and it looks like Galerius is getting to choose the Caesars and does not choose his son-in-law. So, 
he decides to retire to an estate just outside of Rome. So he's now 30-something and he's retiring. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's news good news to be a prince, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a news report this week. We might have to work till we're 70 now. Oh, that's... that's... Oh, no! No, don't talk to me about that. It's fine. We'll, we'll make the podcast work. Well, we'll fall back on that. Yeah, so guys, yeah. want to fund our retirement? <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah. So, there sat Maxentius, lamenting on the life of power that he had never had the chance to live. I think he sang a song. A sad song? A sad song, yeah. Violin in the background. <laughs> News then comes through that Constantius is dead. What? Oh. Yeah, we've got to that point already. That was fast. Yeah, Diocletian's already retired. Maximian's retired, his father's retired. Constantius has now died. And he'd said, my son should be emperor. Yes. Lost in the throes of twitching and dying. Yeah, so word comes through that Constantine has declared himself Augustus. Maxentius starts to grind his teeth. <laughs> I'm seeing a bit of um, demission here. <laughs> Echoes to that. Well, yeah, I mean, this is why I think that Maxentius did go to Nicomedia with Constantine. You really get this sense of a rivalry between them. Yeah. Almost like they're brothers. Mm. And that would make sense if they grew up together. Like Ben-Hur. <laughs> yes, and the general. Just like in Ben-Hur, definitely. Right, so let's let's leave Maxentius there for a while. He's in yeah. his villa outside Rome. He's not very happy. He keeps being passed up. He's not allowed in the Tetrarchy. His father-in-law and his father hate mm. him. And furiously eating peas. Yes. <laughs> he could get any of the meat. I'll get my own peas, damn it. Yeah. Okay, and let's go to Rome. So just down the road slightly. <laughs> the city of Rome has been somewhat neglected of late. Yeah. Yeah. Diocletian only visited once in the last 20 years. And even then, all he did was insult the city before leaving early. Because they weren't used to emperors. They just wanted to grab him and all sorts. And he's yeah. used to the whole kind of, I'm a god, don't touch me. <laughs> oh, look, he's an emperor. Poke him. <laughs> Poke him. See if he's real. Throw something with love. <laughs> I've got a brick. Throw it. Emperor, we love you. <laughs> Stop bleeding. <laughs> Holy blood. <laughs> Lick it up. Yes. You're going to somewhere run away. Yeah, really. Diocletian didn't like all that attention for some reason. The Senate, the once all-powerful base of knowledge and respect, had by this point dwindled into nothing. Aww. It's essentially a gentleman's club now. It's where the rich people of Rome <laughs> gather in togas to discuss events. So it hasn't really changed? Well, no. It's just <laughs> when they say something should happen, no one listens to them. Okay. Oh, bless them. Yeah. Also in Rome, of course, is the Praetorian Guard. I remember them, yeah. Yes. Once the all-powerful kingmakers, they also have found themselves out of the loop. Now, the emperors at this point are keeping Praetorian prefects. They've all got a Praetorian prefect yeah. each. But Praetorian prefects are no longer linked to the Praetorian Guard. Oh, OK. Because the emperors are moving around, never going to Rome. Yeah. They kept their Praetorian prefect with them, but the guard's based in Rome. And has been for all time. Oh, stupid traditions. Yes, so they, there's this detachment that slowly happened. Mm. Praetorian prefects are no longer seen as the leader of the guard, although they technically are. Mm. They're seen as the right-hand man to the emperor. Yeah. This doesn't please the Praetorian guard in Rome. No. The Senate are not pleased Ooh. in Rome. Ooh. No. So you've got a faction there, haven't you? On top of this... Tax reforms had reduced Rome and Italy to essentially just another province. Rome saw a tax increase from paying nothing at all mm. to paying something. Oh, 
that's the worst kind of tax yeah. increase that is. Yeah. Even if it's just a, ceremon- a ceremonial, the whole city has to pay one sesterce per year. Yeah, it's like, no! <laughs> this is an outrage. Yeah. Rome was the capital. Italy was the home country. They don't pay taxes. No. The provinces pay taxes, yeah. so the capital can live a life of luxury. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Diocletian's imposed taxes, Ooh. and the people of Rome are not happy about this. So, oh, okay, this isn't good. Eventually, this bad feeling in the so-called capital reaches boiling point. A group of officers in the city start a revolt. One of the officers, a man named Lucianus, <laughs> a man, incidentally, who was in charge of pork distributions. <laughs> oh, yes. It's an important job. Murders the deputy urban prefect. Okay. This murder leads to a full-stage coup, with the remnants of the guard and the garrisons in the city turning from the unknown, unliked, and newly appointed Severus. Remember, Severus is now Augustus. Constantius has died. Yeah. The Senate don't know who Severus is. The Praetorian Guard don't know who Severus is. They don't want Severus there. No. Instead, they want... That's as far as they got, really. You got <laughs> yeah. senators and Praetorians meeting, saying, "Do you remember when we used to be rivals for power and Rome, and we used to fight?" Yeah, now it's we're great. Now we're all out the loop. Now we're yeah. all losers. We need, we need to be in power again. See, it was better in the old days. It was. What they're thinking, and they realised they needed a figurehead, so they look around. Oh. Who could be their figurehead? Oh. Who's a few miles just outside of Rome right now, related to one of the ex-emperors? And has a reason to really want to be emperor. Yeah, who has been passed over not once but twice ah. already. Who? Jeff. Ah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then someone points out that's a stupid idea and yeah. that Maxentius is nearby and they all go, oh yeah, that's, that's a much better idea. Oh, we got, they got some bad news as well. Oh yeah. Jeff died. Not again. Yeah. I can't even remember when this one started. So. Uh, well... He's fairly young. He's in his early 20s. Oh, okay. It's an accident with a winch and a, and a goat. It was a horrific mess. He had a daughter, though. Ooh, interesting. Mm. Jeffier. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. Hideous. She has to wear a bag. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Maxentius, getting back to the, uh, the story here. Maxentius is approached by the Senate and the Praetorians. Yeah. And they start whispering in his ear. So she's Exactly. Yeah. Maxentius went, sorry? <laughs> what? <laughs> Emperor. <laughs> Could be you. <laughs> Speak sense, man. Eventually they just spat out big letters. You could yeah. be emperor. We will support you. Yeah. In October 306, Rome declares Maxentius emperor. However, Maxentius realised that this would just lead to strife. Yeah, civil war. Yeah. So he said, no, I'm not emperor. <laughs> do you say in a kind of a well, no we can't really do that nudge nudge <laughs> kind of way yeah kind of because he then gave himself the title of leader of youth oh which just sounds like someone who works with children on club. Saturdays on a youth club yeah, doesn't open it open football yeah. ground <laughs> yes soccer ground no th- this is a, a a title that heirs to the throne for a while had given themselves so he was essentially saying I am now the heir I'm not 
Caesar, but I'm I'm a Caesar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hinting very heavily that that is the title he should have. He's obviously hoping at this point that Galerius will go, yeah, okay, you can be Caesar. Yeah. He doesn't want to fight anyone. He wants in on the Tetrarchy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want civil war. Well, why would you? Yeah, yeah. Get it for free. Why are you going to fight for it? However, Galerius at this point had had enough. He'd already had to swallow his pride and allow Constantine into the Tetrarchy. Yeah. There was no room for another person in the Tetrarchy. There are four people at the moment. Suddenly five-rarchy. Yeah, you've got Severus and Galerius with yeah. Constantine and Maximinus Dyer. So yeah. there's no room, especially for the son-in-law that he despises. Yeah, it's just I, I hate you. <laughs> not having peas. It's not happening. So Galerius orders Severus to march on Rome and sort the young upstart <laughs> out. Yeah, yes, and this is where you'll recognise the story a bit more. Maxentius had by this point gained support from the central and southern Italy, Sardinia okay. and Corsica. Severus had the north of Italy, importantly including Milan, the most prestigious city in Italy at the time. Mm. Good for fashion as well. Very good for fashion. Just images of lots of Roman troops going down the catwalk. <laughs> yeah, really extravagant clothing. Yeah. Armour made out of silk and stuff. Really, really massive brush on their helmet. Oh. <laughs> so that's what Severus was doing whilst, yeah. <laughs> whilst in Milan. Yeah. Maxentius, meanwhile, in Rome, received news that Galerius was going to take him on. So Maxentius devises a plan. His father was still well-connected, and more importantly, had commanded Severus's forces for the last 20 years. Uh-huh. If he could get his father on side, he'd be in a much stronger position. Hey, Dad, you know how you hate me and I didn't really like you? <laughs> you can have some power, I promise! Yeah. Fingers crossed behind his plate. He's holding a plate while he's saying this. Right, okay. Fair he's showing his peas. He's still bitter about those peas. <laughs> okay. It also occurred to Maxentius that Constantine was a wild card in the upcoming fight with Galerius and Severus. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if he could get Constantine to stay out of the way, he knew he had a chance of winning. With all this in mind, Maxentius sends off a letter to his father offering him, possibly in vague terms, <laughs> a share of power. Father, you could possibly one day potentially have some of the former power that you may have once had with Diocletian, possibly with me. Little asterisks at the top. Yeah. Lots of tiny small print at the bottom. <laughs> I can't read the small print, it's fine. That's fine, just, just say yes, father. Just say yes. <laughs> yeah. Maximian couldn't resist. Retirement was not suiting him well, and he wanted to get back into power. And he was soon in Rome with his son. Ooh. It was not long before Severus was at the walls of Rome, which were being improved daily yeah. by Maxentius at this point. Yep. Lots of renovation going on. New bricks. Maxentius's plan worked perfectly. Severus's troops deserted practically en masse, and Severus turned and ran for Ravenna, yeah, covered is. in his episode. Maxentius stayed to command the building efforts in Rome, while his father went off and dealt with Severus. Mm. Maxentius even then receives news that his father had tricked Severus into surrendering and killed him, or that Severus had surrendered into his father's care and was alive. And Maxentius then sent men out with orders to kill the captive emperor. What do you think? Well, we discussed this last time, yeah. didn't we? Now we can discuss it a bit more, I guess. We can. We... Well, now you know a little bit more about Maxentius. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I killed him. 
You think it was Matt Sanchez? Yeah, he's got his dad's sort of lust for power, hasn't he? He's always wanted it, so let's get him out of the way. Let's then he can get his dad out of the way. You know, it, it, it fits the pattern, I think. Yeah, I still have this idea that Maximian is like a an old traditional knight. Yeah. He will merrily run you through with a sword, but he'll do it with honour. Yeah. He's not going to lie to you whilst doing yeah, it. Yeah, so he say, excuse me, while he puts it through, yes. your, through your jugular. Devil is I, old chap, but... <laughs> Had to die. Oh gosh, I apologize. I got blood on your jacket. <laughs> yeah, There's a, yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking this was Max Anxious. I honestly can't remember yeah. what we decided in Severus' yeah. episode. I, I was very much sure. I th- I thought Max Simi would have just killed him, but uh, now yeah, no, it's coming back to me now. Yes, yeah, yeah, so now I agree. So we're agreeing with ourselves before, yeah. are we? Good. I'm agreeing right. with you. Yeah. Fair enough. Right, so let's say Maxentius kills Severus against yeah. his father's orders. Ooh. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Either way, however, Severus is dead. Yeah. Yes. How we made an episode out of him, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was now time to sort out who? Galerius. Galerius. What's the problem with Galerius coming to invade? Who's hovering in Gaul at the moment with an army? Oh, Con. Constantine, yes. See, it gets a bit complicated with all these armies floating yeah. around, doesn't it? Yeah, Maxentius and Maximian both realise that if Constantine throws his weight into this war, well, they will not be able to fight both yeah. Galerius and Constantine. They're screwed. So, Maxentius and Maximian agreed that they would offer Maximian's youngest daughter, Maxentius's sister, mm. in marriage to Constantine. Okay. Get some more ties in there. And also... Sugar on the top of the cherry is not a saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, he, they will also name Constantine Joint Augustus. Oh, oh, yeah, get yeah. cherry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the phrase. <laughs> cherry on the cake. There we go. Yeah, what would yeah. you say? Something to do with sugar on cherries. <laughs> it went oh. very wrong. Oh. Yeah. So, in return, Constantine would not get involved in the inevitable fight with Galerius. Yeah. So Maximian heads north to sort out the details. Again, Maxentius stays in Rome to organise defences. Sure enough, in 307, Galerius invades. Maxentius and Maximian have been preparing, however, and Maximian was able to destroy Galerius's supply lines and cause troops to desert. Yeah, so we've seen this in um, Maximian's and Galerius's episodes, yeah. where Galerius marched full of confidence into Italy. Yep. Maximian nibbles at his heels, brings down his supply lines, yep. and Galerius gets within miles of Rome and realises that he just can't continue anymore. Sulks all the way back and burns down for some villages on his way. Yeah, he yeah, he pillages his own country. <laughs> yes. Idiot. Yeah, well, when he got to Rome, he did try and talk to Maxentius and Maximian and say, look, we can talk terms of peace. Mm. And that's when Maxentius and Maximian just laugh in his face, essentially saying that they didn't need to talk to get what they could achieve through yeah. might. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. why bother waste energy talking? We could fight you and slit your throat. Yeah, so yeah. Galerius retreats from Italy, burning things down on the way. Right, Maxentius yeah. and Maximian are now joint rulers of Rome. Ooh, yay, one little city. For a short while. Oh. Because <laughs> this is when they fall out. Yay. Which supports the idea that they didn't like each other much to begin with. Yeah. Yes. Perhaps because they'd never gone on before. Perhaps because Maximian was attempting to take back his role as Augustus. I get that impression. I think he was using his dad. Yeah. No, no, sorry. The other way around. Maximian oh. 
was trying to get his role. Oh, of course, back, yes, yeah. Thinking about but, his son. Well, I'm yeah. Augustus. My son is obviously inferior yeah. to me. I feel they're trying to use each other, though. Yeah, no, I get that <laughs> feeling as well. Perhaps it's because Maxentius, realising Maximian has done his part, yeah. turning the army. Well, I don't need my dad around anymore. I've got no. a big army now. Yeah. Or, more likely, a combination of all three. They were yeah, using each other. They fall out. Yeah. Maxentius sums up what happened. The old man was impatient at being denied the exercise of uncontrolled sovereignty and envied his son with a childish spirit of rivalry. And therefore he began to consider how he might expel Maxentius and resume his ancient dominion. This appeared easy because the soldiers who deserted Severus had originally served in his own army. He stretched his hands towards his son, charged him as author of all ills and prime cause of the calamities of the state. Then he tore the purple from Maxentius's shoulders. Maxentius, thus stripped, leapt headlong from the tribunal and was received into the arms of the soldiers. Oh, so he disgraced his son, ran to the soldiers and the soldiers thought, hang on, you can't do that. No, he. you've got Maxentius and Maximian up on a p- platform in front of the soldiers. Yeah. Maximian's delivering a speech about how society has turned to dust since yeah. he was emperor. And then suddenly points at his own son, saying, and it's all his fault. Oh, he can't do that. Can't do that. Then grabs Maxentius's purple robe mm. and tears it off him. Yeah. But then Maximian turns to the soldiers and jumps into the crowd. Oh, now it's crowd surf. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> the note I put there. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, as soon as I read that, it's like, what, he crowd surfed? <laughs> but yeah, he was physically demonstrating his popularity to his father. It's like, you can try and strip me, but actually, they love me. So mm. he just crowd surfs on top of the soldiers. They sure, it would have been hilarious, though. <laughs> yeah, he just jumps in, parts, <laughs> yeah. splat, in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Maximian soon realises, through bribery or just because Maxentius was a good egg, we don't know, the soldiers have actually turned to him, despite following Maximian for the last 20 years. That's interesting. Well, there's a younger version of you, so he'll be just like you. Yeah. He's 2.0. Yeah, he crowd surfs. That's cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Stranger's pocket's full of peas, but... (laughs) <laughs> so wherever he goes the trail of dried peas he carries with him. <laughs> emotionally scarred him you know it did yeah, yeah. so Maxentius decides that executing his father was perhaps a little bit too much <laughs> so decides to exile him instead Ooh. With, this, with his father out of the way Maxentius was able to concentrate on ruling his small empire <laughs> Rome Rome Severus is now gone, so he's now got the entirety of Italy, oh, including true. Milan. He's also got Corsica and Sardinia. Very nice places. Very, very nice places. Go on holiday. So yeah, it's 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 not nothing. I well, mean, it's true. It's about what Italy is today. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. News comes through, however, that Diocletian has come out of retirement. He's finished with his, with his allotment. Oh, no, not yet. Oh, okay. This is only for that one meeting, remember? Oh, of course. Yes. He comes with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> yeah, Diocletian rocks up with his wheelbarrow, meets with Maximian and Galerius. The Tetrarchy has officially been rearranged, Maxentius learns. Oh. So Maxentius rubs his hands together. Excellent. This is what I've been waiting for. Finally some recognition. Yeah. He thinks. Galerius was still Augustus in the East. 
Yeah. Constantine was busted back down to Caesar. Maximinus Dyer was still Caesar in the East. And there's one more space. And Maxentius holds his breath. That gap is Augustus, surely. He only wants yeah. to be Caesar, but he'll accept Augustus. Yeah, of course he will. Prove myself. Yes. <gasps> he looks down the list. <clears throat> yeah. That's how they did it. Or maybe he was watching like a bit like X Factor. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Britain's Got Talent or something. There's yeah. just someone on a podium in front of them reading an envelope with who's going to be the next Augustus. Oh, Massive drum roll for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Different camera shots, different people. Yeah. Essentially sweating slightly, yeah. but looking hopeful. Fling, shoving keys into his mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on! Come on! And then finally. Licinius! Everyone turns around and goes, who? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yes. Maxentius was on a list. He was on the usurper list. Oh, no. Yes, Maxentius was outraged. He had just as much right to be Caesar as Constantine, but he was frozen out of the Tetrarchy for the third time. Oh, man, that's going to annoy you. It really is. Shortly after that, news comes through from Africa. Yeah. Domitius Alexander has declared himself Africa. Declared himself Africa? <laughs> I, I am, am Africa. Africa. <laughs> look, at my, look at my foot. South Africa. My shoulder, Egypt. Other shoulder, Tunisia. <laughs> Push my belly button. That's Ghana. My- Check out my Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Said Alexander. <laughs> Everyone looked slightly confused. <laughs> a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But then after after talking to him for a while it turns out that Alexander was trying to say he was now Augustus. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And he happened to be in Africa at the time. Okay. Yes. Now we've not mentioned Alexander before. No. I haven't heard his Partly name. because he's mad and thinks he's an entire continent. <laughs> uh, so it's generally in an attempt to keep the ever increasingly complex timeline simple. Yeah, fair enough. I've just decided not to mention him. But there was actually another person declaring himself emperor at this point, and oh, that okay. is Alexander. Wonderful. So, we have next to no details on Alexander, which probably tells you how well he does. We know he was the vicar of Africa. Okay. Yes. As in, he oversaw the diocese oh, yeah. of Africa, which was made up of various provinces. So yes. He oversaw the governors of the provinces. Yeah, yeah. He was that high level, just below the emperors. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Maxentius, in an attempt to shore up some more support, had sent some envoys over to Africa, attempting to get the region to come over to his side. Yeah. However, the region was either loyal to Galerius or just didn't like Maxentius. Yeah. Maxentius then sent word that Alexander must send his son as a hostage and pledge his support. What? Yeah. So I'll recap that again. Maxentius yeah. sends envoys to Africa yeah. and says, please support me. Yeah. Alexander says, no. Yeah. Maxentius sends more envoys and says, give me your son and support me. He's bad at this negotiation. He's really bad. You you need a base to start on. You need to just take his son. Wait, don't ask him. Can you give me your son as a hostage, please? <laughs> yeah, it's... Then I can negotiate with you. It was at this point that Alexander openly refuses and his troops declare him emperor. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised either. So this was dangerous for Maxantius. Africa was Rome's main supply of food at this time because mm. obviously Egypt's in Galerius's hands. So you don't want to lose Africa, people will start to starve. But now Africa is openly against Rome. 
It was around now that Maxentius's son Romulus dies. Oh no. Yes, approximately 14. And within a year, news comes through that Maximian has been forced to commit suicide by Constantine. Yes, if you remember, Constantine finally had enough of him. Yeah. Just know when to stop, Maximian. <laughs> Just stop. Now, although Maxentius was not his father's biggest fan, he realised that this was a, a good excuse to attempt to gain some moral high ground over his rival. Hmm. So he started minting coins with everyone on in the Tetrarchy, apart from Constantine. Big coins. <laughs> individual coins with individual oh, people with on. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not so subtle hint. Uh... Yeah. Constantine waited. Like, he's a bit of a coin collector. Great hobby, guys. Um, waiting for his coins. Oh, I've got the glare. I've got that one. I've got that one. Where's my one? Oh, it's dead exciting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Still waiting. Still waiting. Yeah. It'd be useful having them because every time they change allegiances, you could put the coins together. Oh yes, that little map. Yes, Maxentius mm. also heard that Constantine had allied himself at this point with the Augustus of the West, which is the new man Licinius. Realizing that Licinius and Maximinus Dyer hated each other, yeah, Maxentius takes the opportunity to write to Maximinus Dyer to offer an allegiance to counter the one of Licinius. And Constantine. So he's forming an alliance with somebody that's got an alliance with Galerius. Uh, well, yes, in a way. Um, but Maximinus Dyer is becoming more and more frustrated with Galerius. Remember, okay. Galerius gave Licinius the Augustus role, when really it was Maximinus uh, Dyer's turn. So yeah. Dyer's been passed over for promotion himself, which is why Max Entrance thinks he can get some support there. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah? Yeah. You happy? So, like he's saying, like, oh, we could both be Augustus, or we could both be Caesar exactly. here. It's, 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 it's for us. So, ailing Galerius, Licinius, and Constantine on one side, Dyer and Maxentius on the other side. Yeah, got it. Good. You got that straight in your head? Yep. Because it's all about to change. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not straight away, though. The four men of the Tetrarchy, plus Maxentius and Alexander, who's still floating around, yeah. spent the best part of the next year just staring at each other. Cold War. Yes, waiting for someone to do something. It is very obvious that war is coming by yeah. this point. Oh, dear. And then in 311, the catalyst arrives. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> no. Well, Jeffina. Not this time, no. It is Galerius dying horribly. Oh, okay. Horribly, horribly. So now they're all scrambling for the Augustus position, aren't they? There is now a position in the Tetrarchy. So, Maxentius spends time fortifying his cities in the north of Italy. In the meantime, he sent a force across to Africa under the command of his Praetorian prefect. Now, we don't have any details on this campaign, unfortunately, but from what we can tell, they easily managed to overrun Alexander and was soon in control of the region. Alexander is now out of the race. So you can cross him off. Maxentius now controls the majority of Italy and Africa. He had behind him victories against Severus, Galerius, and now Alexander. He was protected from Gaul by the Alps. He was in a strong position at this point. We don't know the numbers for certain, but it is estimated that Maxentius has at least double the men of Constantine at this time. Despite all this, historians suggest that his support in Rome was starting to slip. Maybe he's shifting his focus so much. Yes, to pay for all these troops that he's now raising, he's got to reintroduce the tax that Rome appointed him to get rid of. <laughs> hey guys, you know that tax you really hate and I got rid of and everyone cheered. Hey, good yeah, on I'm, bring, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how that meeting went. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yes. Support's waning in Rome. Maxentius knows something has to be done. He cannot hold on to power forever, just keeping the status quo. Yeah. Licinius, at this point, is being tied up with Maximinus Dyer in the east. Those two have started to fight. And Maxentius knew that there was no way that Constantine would attack him. Mm. Maxentius is well fortified behind the Alps with double the men. So, he starts preparing an invasion. He's got to go and take Constantine on. I have a feeling this won't go well. Well, it doesn't go at all. Because it oh. was while, Max, <laughs> while Maxentius was in his tent, pushing toy soldiers around on a map, planning his strategy. Or his coins. Or his coins, yeah, figuring out what was going on, that a messenger arrives. Who's that? Constantine was invading over the Alps. <laughs> with a, perhaps about a quarter of his troops. Do you think you're responsible as what mine was? Kind of like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He's got half my troops, and he's only bringing a quarter of his. But surprising. Surprising. What's he doing? Does he think he's Caesar? Yeah. Why did Caesar win a battle with a smaller army? <laughs> <laughs> the fool. Oh. Yeah. This really does take Maxentius by surprise. It's just, it was a silly thing to do from Constantine. Yeah, fool. Really was. However... Roger informs Maxentius that actually Constantine's already taken one town and was marching on Turin. Ooh. Yes. So, caught off guard, but eager, Maxentius hastily gives out some orders. A force of oven horses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the cataphracts, were sent out to meet the invading army, but this force was just simply not large enough to stop the advance. Maxentius wasn't ready to defend. He wasn't planning to defend. <laughs> this isn't fair. Yeah, this was just not the plan. So the oven horses were encircled and overrun. Oh, dear. Constantine's forces used clubs with iron tips to unseat the horses. Ooh. And then they couldn't move once they were down. Their armour was too heavy. Oh, man. Yeah. But they can get a stab, though. Oh, it's very cheek, easy cheek, when they're cheek. on the floor, though, to walk up and just put a spear through their face. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem. That's how Jeff's brother died. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, they're all going. into the spear, though, didn't Yeah. Maxentius learnt in horror the fact that Constantine had marched into Milan, which had opened its gates as if to a liberator. Oh dear. Yeah. And it's interesting that Milan immediately throws their weight behind Constantine at this point. That is it, yeah. Yeah, which perhaps indicates that Maxentius really didn't have all the support that they thought he did. Hmm. Yeah. Bits Milan, it's nice. Only for one evening. Had a great burger. Did you throw open the gates to Constantine while you were there? Nope. I ate a burger and watched a guy play bottles. Nice. Mm. Nice. Constantine was doing that whilst... Maxentius was creating his backup plan. And he has a good backup plan. It had worked against Severus, it had worked against Galerius. He would sit in Rome, wait for the enemy to wear itself out, and then watch them retreat. Yeah, okay. For the summer, Constantine spent his time mopping up northern Italy, and Maxentius spent his time preparing for the invasion. Mm. Tables have definitely turned by this point. Maxentius is digging in deep. Trying okay. to defend. Then in late 312, Constantine makes his move and heads south. Maxentius had his walls and was ready for the siege. Constantine's forces were still not huge, and it was very debatable whether he could siege such a large city. Mm. 
Matt Sanchez realised all he had to do was sit tight. That was his best chance. He'd been stockpiling food for this eventuality all winter. It was very likely they could wait the siege out. Mm. I'm going to be honest, like most time we've talked about sieging happening, it doesn't end well for the siegers. The CGs yeah. usually win. To starve them out or, you know. Oh, no, no. The CG is the one in the sieges being sieged. The siegers. <laughs> the siegers are what it's better for. Do you think it's going to go well for Constantine then? I'm predicting. Okay. What do you think Max Sanchez does next? Well, he's trapped. He's holed up. It's winter. So he can either attack or just go. Oh, no, nope. it's summer now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a long siege then. Yeah. Okay, so. Constantine's not arrived to siege yet. He's planning the siege. He's planning his defence. What's the best thing to do? Attack Constantine. Preempt it. Well, that is what he decides to do. Yes. Despite the fact that it was far safer behind the walls. Yeah. Maxentius, for some reason, decides to leave the safety of the city and face Constantine head on. But you can understand, because you wouldn't want to be in a siege situation. You, you wouldn't want to be a CG, would you? Well, um, Go it out depends. and try, and try and be active at it. Like, it's fight about it rather than, you know... Okay, yeah, interesting you say that. It's generally considered uh, a bit of a, a mistake for Maxentius, this. He should have stayed behind his walls. I agree. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, because <laughs> I think he's going to get killed now, but <laughs> it's fine. Why did he leave the walls? Here's some some ideas. Perhaps Constantine yeah. was working behind the scenes here, offering those in Maxentius's inner circle a pardon and high position in his regime if they undermined Maxentius. This is supported by the fact that several of Maxentius's supporters did indeed end up high up in Constantine's government. Oh, dear. Oh, so Constantine wins them. Constantine... <laughs> realised that he was becoming more and more unpopular in the city, what with lack of food and money due to all his building projects he'd been doing. Yeah. He realised that he would not last in a siege with the general population against him. No, you wouldn't, would you? No. The other option put forward by historians, especially the classical historians, is that it was divine intervention compelled him to leave the city. Of course. God made him leave. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The sources are quite biased at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a mixture of the first two, personally. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with the first two. Yeah. Either way, Max Sanchez does set out. He's going to go and face Constantine. First of all, however, he collected up some of his imperial regalia and hid it in a wooden box in a shrine near the Palatine Hill. Hmm. Max Sanchez was clearly very good at hiding things. When was it found? 2006. Wow! Yes. Very recently... It was discovered in a box. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. In the box contained three lances, four javelins, some standard bases, and three intricate glass spheres, which is believed to have belonged to Max Entrus. Glass spheres? Glass spheres. What do they Globe? No. Yes, not. globes. Decorated globes, I think. Christmas decorations? Maybe Christmas decorations. <laughs> Who knows? So, Max Entrus then heads for the Battle of Melvian Bridge. Oh. This is arguably one of the most famous battles in Roman history. Really? Yes. For reasons we'll discuss afterwards. Right. The bridge had actually been dismantled as part of the preparations for the siege, so Maxentius built a pontoon bridge next to it to cross the river. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're not actually using the Melvian Bridge here. Alright. Yeah. There were some hints that this bridge was actually designed to fall apart as a booby trap should Constantine try and cross it. Interesting. Yes. Perhaps as a planned retreat. Maybe. 
So it was like the necessary bolt thing. There was like a big lump of wood, and if you pull that lump of wood, the whole... Yeah, exactly. So, Maxentius crosses the river and then sets his troops up with their backs against the river. Right. Now, this is a risky move. Well, yeah. I've seen it called stupid and genius by different historians <laughs> in the past, talking about different battles. I've yeah. never heard anyone call this genius about Maxentius, but I've no. definitely come across other generals who line their men up with their backs against the river, and then historians saying, oh, it's very wise, it stopped the lines from breaking when they were under pressure, because they had nowhere to retreat to. They were forced to fight. Or if they get pushed back, they drown. Yeah, well, that's the downside. <laughs> as far as I can tell, it's a case of if you win the battle, you'll be called brave and a genius. If mm. you lose the battle, you're called stupid. Why did you do that? So, how is math interesting? <laughs> <laughs> we will see. <laughs> so, the two sides line up. By this time, it would appear that both sides have roughly the same amount of troops. Mm. Constantine has picked a lot of men up. Incidentally... Part of the troops that Maxentius lined up were the Praetorian Guard. Ooh, yes. And this is pretty much the last mention of this order we ever have. Oh, really? Yes. Aww. They've been fading in power for a while now, and they fade from the history books entirely once Constantine becomes emperor. But fear not, at the end of this episode, we are going to decide our favourite Praetorian prefect. Yes. Oh, I have yes. one already. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> the cavalry start the battle. Yeah. Constantine's horse were able to push back Maxentius's. Mm -hmm. And then the infantry engaged. The going was tough for both sides, but Constantine's troops seemed to have the slight advantage. And that's all they need. Mm. All we need is a slight advantage to that's push true. Maxentius's troops back slightly, and then they start panicking because they've got no room to manoeuvre. Oh They're being pushed into the river. Realising his mistake... Or, according to one theory, deciding to spring his trap, the planned retreat, over the <laughs> booby-trapped bridge, Maxentius orders his troops fall back across one small bridge. Oh, how many troops has he got, roughly? Oh, it's going to be thousands, isn't it? We're talking thousands of men. Tens of thousands of men, okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so men pour onto the bridge, shoving and pushing, desperately attempting to get out of the way of the wall of spiky things coming up behind them. <laughs> <laughs> the bridge was not designed for such things and collapses. We don't know for certain, but according to one source, Maxentius was on the bridge at this point. Really? He falls into the river and dies. Oh. Other theory is he was just in the fighting and got pushed back into the river, but general consensus is he drowns in the river. And there you go, that's Maxentius. Which will be really embarrassing if the river was like two feet deep. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. He just like lands face first and just. I've just got an image of him floating in the river, and then the camera just slowly pans away, and all you see going past the camera is just a little line of floating peas. Oh. Yeah. Little peas floating out of his pockets. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. All he wanted oh. was to be in the Tetrarchy, damn it. Yeah. That was all he wanted. But no, he's dead. Right, you ready to rate him? Please be able to him. Yes, let's do this. Fightius Maximus. Right, this one's a weird one, I think. And this this applies to all rounds, not just Fightius Maximus. Yeah. Our judgments are really going to depend on what version of Maxentius we believe to be true. Oh, that's true, yeah. And we'll never know for sure, 
But one way to look at this is that he was the planner and his father was the doer. Together they worked quite well. Maxentius plans to get rid of his father and no longer because he no longer needs him. Mm. And because Maximian's no longer around, as soon as Maxentius has to fight, he fails. But also, as you said, like his strategy, if he'd, if that works, it could have been classed as being brilliant. Yes, exactly. But, so, but the argument is, don't fight against a deep, tall banked river. Yes. On a shallow bank, shallow river. <laughs> yeah. You can do that strategy. But generally, this idea is that Maxentius knows what he's doing. He's he's wily. He's yeah. clever. Yeah, yeah. He's scheming to succeed. I yeah, he's very ambitious. Yeah. However, you can equally paint a picture here of a spoilt young aristocrat picked by the Senate and the Praetorian Guard to be their figurehead. Mm. The Senate and Praetorian Guard realise that actually they need someone worth fighting, so they sent for the father. Mm. Alexander was defeated because a fly could have defeated him. <laughs> and Maxentius falls at his first real test. Constantly. That's true. I mean, if it sounds like he was, he was a puppet so that the Senate and Praetorian Guard get back into power again, and it failed. Possibly. It, or was it a marriage tragic. of convenience? He wanted to be emperor, and the Senate and the Praetorian prefects needed someone. Mm. So maybe it just happened to work out. Well, let, let's, think it it work out no, let's think about it a bit more. Support yeah. for Maxentius the planner. Was his ousting of his father pre-planned? You can definitely see this idea that he... Brought in his father. Yeah. His father turned all the troops, so they won that war. Yeah. Maxentius doesn't need his father anymore, so boots no. him out. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that gives you the impression of someone who who thinks things through. He's not a puppet. No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, you agree. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, he's not a puppet. And yes, I agree. Okay. Well, support for the puppet idea. He doesn't leave Rome at all. All the fighting that goes on is done by his father. Yeah, yeah. So he's not taking an active role here. Lactentius blames this on a prophecy he heard, announcing that his downfall would be at hand if he left Rome. But that's mm. obviously Lactentius trying to come up with a reason why he never leaves Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, his father leaving was not actually beneficial to Rome. It was really bad that Maximian True. left, because yeah. they lost that fighting experience. So, yeah. perhaps, Maxentius was a puppet who threw a spanner in the works here. Perhaps the Senate and the Praetorian Guard wanted Maximian around. Mm. Maxentius throws a wobbly and chucks his father out. The Senate are really annoyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I see it more as he sort of a convenience. Like the Senate and the Praetorian Guards, we want someone as a reason to get us back into power. You'll do. Then, oh, you're not quite doing what we want. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what you just said. Okay. Well, we don't need to decide now. I no. still honestly can't decide on whether he was scheming or whether he was following. That's just too much evidence either way. It's, yeah. it's really well, hard. Let's go into Fightius Maximus yeah, and yeah. maybe we can uh, think a bit more. So, overview first and then we'll look at good yeah. and bad. Out of four wars, he can claim to have defeated two Roman emperors and one usurper. Hmm. That sounds impressive, doesn't it? Who are the emperors? <laughs> well, let's look into this a bit more. Number one, Severus. He got his father on board with the intention that Severus's support would crumble, and it does so. Yeah. His father then goes out and does the minimal fighting required. Yeah. Maxentius <laughs> stays in Rome. Number two, Galerius. 
The plan is to disrupt the supply lines, causing Galerius to slowly lose command of the region mm. until he can no longer sustain his army. And this works, thanks to the harrowing of Galerius's troops by his father. Yeah. Maxentius stays in Rome. Number three, Alexander. Maxentius sends his Praetorian prefect into Africa. By this time, support for Galerius and Alexander had started to wane. The Praetorian prefect takes the region with barely a fight. Mm. Maxentius stays in Rome. And there's only one other battle. Number four, Constantine. Maxentius actually fights in this one. <laughs> he lines up his troops with his back to the river. They all die, <laughs> including him. <laughs> So that's a sort of overview. Let's look at good, bad here. So, good, he won his victories. Yeah. He, he should get him. some credit there. There's three clear victories there. The loss not of, directly, though. Not directly, but... But, yeah, I agree. There should yeah. be some credit there. Yeah, yeah. The loss to Constantine is, of, is often reported as Maxentius not being a good enough general, mainly due to his lining up with the backs to the river. Yeah. But... Had the cavalry charge gone the other way, we would be praising him, saying that to make sure his troops held fast, he lined up against the river, his cavalry won, his troops stayed in formation. What a brave general. It's one of those risky tactics, isn't it? It works or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's risky. It's like when you're playing footy or soccer. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have two defenders or you have three. Yes. Two defenders, it might work. You have more up front to, to fight and attack. Yeah. But, you know, you, if they get through, you're, you're screwed. Or if you're uh, the striker, the shooter, whatever they're called. And <laughs> the ball kicker. The ball kicker at the front. Yeah. And you go for a sh- stupid shot at goal. Yeah. You're halfway up the pitch and you yes. go for a shot. Yes. If that goes in, you are a genius. Yeah. If you miss, you're an idiot. Mm. It's like David Beckham. Yeah. Where he took a free kick from far away. Sometimes they go in and everyone would love it. Yeah. But more times he missed. Can I just say on the good things? how proud I am of us? being able to do sport-related yeah. comparisons. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, the retreat. Mm. The retreat might not have been panic. There is a theory that it was the hatching of a plan, which I alluded to earlier. So the plan was, start fighting Constantine, retreat, Constantine then crosses the river, they release the booby trap, they kill lots of Constantine's men on the river. Okay, even if I bought that as a plan, fair enough, but it's a bad plan... Well, that is a nice segue into the bad section. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Okay, yes, Maxentius wins three wars, but he stayed in Rome all the time. So he's in a name only. Yes. Let's face it, it is stupid not to give yourself room to manoeuvre in a battle. Brave but stupid. Yeah. I mean, even if he won, it's still a stupid move. Yeah. And it clearly just wasn't a planned retreat. I just am not buying this at all. When I came across this, it's like, really? I just don't don't believe you. Um, if so, he would have led a small portion of his troops across and then attempted to entice Constantine to follow. So you need, for that strategy to work, you need a very small army. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's not what happened. No, he just got He went mad. across with his entire army yeah. and then attempted to retreat. I see those poor horses as well. They're panicking, rushing over, knocking people off and... Yeah, exactly. So even if the story is true, he deserves no credit for it, because like you say, it's a very bad plan. It's a stupid idea. In fact, it's even worse in a sense. What you would do is have your army behind the river, or most of your army behind the river, hidden away, a little yeah. army up front. Yeah. You do it that way, surely. Yes. So it's most likely that he just messed up because he had little experience. Yeah, I think it's the panic. Run away! Yeah. Oh. So, okay, what do you think? 
too. I'm not. I'm, I'm not that impressed. Um, it, it's odd when you just say that very first thing I said. Out of four wars, he won three of them. He defeated two emperors and one usurper. That mm. sounds really good, but when mm. you dive into it, it's just not actually impressive at he all. He gained no it? ground doing that. No, it was always defensive. <laughs> yes, and he wasn't. Oh there. no! To be fair, he gained Africa. Yes, but it was hardly impressive. Yeah, against a living map. Um, but he <laughs> he wasn't there. He wasn't a fighter. He doesn't come across as a fighter. He comes off. He comes across as the planner strategically. Yes, give him give him props for that. But that's about it. That's what I, give him two. I think that was more his father though, because mm. it was those early battles that were strategic, and he won. His strategy against Constantine was rubbish. I'm gonna give him two because it was done in his name. Yeah. He was the emperor at the time. Yeah. So that's it, too. I'm going to give him one point for each <laughs> war he won. So three. That's quite generous. No. Uh, well, he did do fighting. Let's not forget, we've had a lot of emperors that did literally nothing but that's sit true. in their throne room. Well, Augustus did quite a bit of that, to be fair. Yeah, well, Augustus scored higher than five, so... Yeah, wait, he got a lot of ground, though. Yeah. Hmm. He did. Right, okay, five. Approvium crazium. Okay, nothing solid here at all. We've got some vague biased sources. Lactentious describes him as mischievous, bad, proud, and stubborn. But then Lactentious would say that. Lactentious hates him. (laughs) He fought Constantine, and Constantine was essentially the new Jesus, according to Lactantius. <laughs> he hearted him, I'm going to say that. Is it because on his deathbed he said, yeah, I'll be a Christian? We'll get to that in Constantine's yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Gibbon really didn't like him. Well, monkeys don't. No. <laughs> it's not actually a monkey, it's more just another primate. Yeah, but either way, this is what Gibbon said. Italy and Africa groaned under the demission of a tyrant as contemptible as he was odious. Hmm. Maxentius had imbibed the same implacable aversion to the Senate which had characterised most of the former tyrants of Rome, nor was it possible for his ungrateful temper to forgive the generous fidelity which had risen him to the throne and supported him against all his enemies. The lives of the senators were exposed to his jealous suspicions. The dishonour of their wives and daughters heightened the gratification of his sensual passions. Ooh, sexy. (laughs) There is in fact one story that a woman killed herself to avoid the unwanted advances of Maxentius. Yeah, so a sort of shades of 70s bond. Yeah. Yeah. A creepy predator. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's basically what Bond is. Yes. Sorry, he's not smooth and cool, he's just weird. In the latest film, was the latest one? The Night of the Woman's Funeral. No, in the latest film, like The Night of the Woman's Husband's Funeral, he made a move on her. Yeah. That's just sick. It's, it's not good, is it? Bond's horrible. Naughty Bond. <laughs> right. Okay, so that's his bad crazy. Um, good saying. Well, this is... Gibbon's account is based on incredibly biased sources. <laughs> well, they all are. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> no sense of insanity here. He also appears to have done his best to defend against future invasions, indicating forethought. Mm. Yeah, he. there's nothing I could find to suggest that he was an unpleasant person. I do like the idea that he's just a, <laughs> a creepy... <laughs> he made a woman commit suicide because he didn't want to... <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's all we've got given to us, so maybe we should just judge him on that. But um... I think so. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've got enough. I, I'm going to give him 
two based on the possibility that that could be true. Yeah. A, a smoke isn't there. There might not be any fire, yeah. but there's definitely some smoke. I'm going to give him two as well. All right, that's four then. Successes Ultimus. He loved to build things. Did he? Yes, he did. Good. In the short reign of his, bearing in mind that the area was always under the threat of invasion, a lot of building went on. Hmm. The Basilica of Maxentius being the pinnacle of this. Named the Basilica Nova once Constantine was in Rome. <laughs> cool. what's, what's that new massive building there? Oh, that's Max. Uh, ahem, that's the Basilica. It's new. Oh, the Basilica Nova, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, th- this is an outstanding building. It's the largest by far in the Forum and the largest of its type in the world at the time of being built. Hmm. Yes. But it's not really well known by people. It's not one of the famous ones. It's not, not one like of the... the Parthenon. No, or, or the Colosseum, or one of the arches. Or those are the boring ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, it was huge. It yeah. was really big, but that's not why it stood out. The reason why it seemed so big on the inside is there were no pillars. It's a self-sporting roof. Yes, it was an architectural marvel at the time, because it was using the latest technology to have its roof supported. So, I'm certainly no architect. So, in brief layman description here, <laughs> imagine a massive, massive hall with yeah. six massive, my use of adjectives needs to improve, um, Gargantuan. Yes. Uh, three on either side. So, yeah. big hall, three massive, al- gargantuan alcoves on each side. <laughs> so, Maxentius was able to build this building with an interior that put others to shame. One side of this still stands, so you can get a sense of the scale there. So there's a picture of how wow. big this place was. Oh. They're the three alcoves. Gosh. There would have been opposite this the same, and in the middle, a larger area. So you are just seeing wow, a fraction okay. of it there. So I like the way it's got a person, so you can kind of see the scale. And that is yeah. absolutely massive. That's 30 metres tall, something like that. Oh, you know what? I... I I completely forgot to put the dimensions in my notes. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll check that out. I'll put it on Facebook. Yeah, what we'll put it on Facebook. Was, yeah. But you can see, <laughs> yeah, it's like a bit, yeah, big, like almost like cathedral style alcoves that are truly monstrously big. That's amazing. That's an adjective. Yeah. Um, and it looks like on the, the ceiling, it's got sort of things that would have gone over, like yeah. struts that may have been part of supporting it. But that's. Yes. Wow. Cathedral, definitely sort of size almost aircraft hangar kind of size that this was intrigues me massive so what you might not have researched this what material do you think has been built out of concrete i was going to ask it was, concrete, yes. was. <laughs> which is perhaps why it's not cons- it's not one of the pi- more picturesque ruins no because they do look like concrete arches mm. and it was the interior supporting arches mm. that still stand so they're not hugely decorated it's amazing when, when you like when when you've researched sort of like Roman architecture, it talks about how Roman concrete is spectacularly strong. Yes, because yeah. of the type of rock they used in the inside. Yes, I think we mentioned this, didn't yeah, we? And uh... nowadays we use like small pebbles and small rocks. Uh, mm. Sorry, not small. We use smooth pebbles and smooth rocks on the inside. They use spiky pebbles and spiky rocks, probably volcanic in nature, which ah, more yes. surface area, more. That makes sense. Holds it together there. Yes. Now, at the end of this massive interior space was a massive statue. I really need new adjectives. (laughs) (laughs) A colossus statue. Yes. That's what it was. We don't know what Max Centrus had planned to be there. What ended up being there was a colossus of Constantine himself. Of course it was. Sitting in a giant throne 
at the end of this giant room. Awesome. I'll show you a picture of that in Constantine's episode. Yes. Yes. He also massively improved Aurelian's walls, making them thicker, longer, as mentioned in Aurelian's episode. He also installed a lot more toilets. Good. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> he also repaired and built baths and other public buildings for Rome. Uh, if you were a Roman Roman from Rome, then this would have been the best period of time in decades. Yeah, he loved it. Things were actually finally happening in the capital. You would have seen this almost like a renaissance. Hmm. Uh, but empire-wide... Mm. I don't know. I think we're going to even point to that. Yeah. I, th- okay. I, I think, you know, it's still technically the capital. Yeah. Or as some people say, the so-called capital. Mm. Um, but I think you've got to even point to that. Because he's, he's clearly... He knows where his, his fan base is. Yeah. For lack of a better phrase. So he's going to pander to that. He's a bit of a populist in a way. Um, possibly. Well, let's look at Bad. Hmm. Let's face it, he was a usurper. Yeah. Who Legal. Well, the, yeah, he's a usurper who's on our list on a technicality. Yeah. Had he have done this anywhere else in the Empire, he would just be a footnote like Alexander was. Yeah. But because he happened to usurp in Rome, the Senate declared him emperor, and therefore mm. he's in our criteria as being an emperor. The weak senate. Yes. So, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's sort of a technicality emperor. Mm. And well, what was he trying to succeed in doing? He was trying to get into the Tetrarchy. He was trying to become Caesar, an emperor of the empire, not of Italy. And in that, he completely and utterly failed. That's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. So a bit like Galerius, well, what Ultimately, was he trying to achieve? Where well, he was trying to eradicate the Christians, he failed. Maxentius was trying to get. <laughs> yeah. was trying to get into the Tetrarchy, he failed. So I think you've got to knock a lot off for that. His one ambition mm. in life, he did not achieve. I'm thinking of Pete's floating down the river again. It's so sad. Yes, <laughs> feel sorry for him now. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he didn't really help the Empire at all. In fact, he probably was the catalyst for more division. Oh, I'd say the division would be going on without him. But, but he's, he's part of it. He's, he's part of it. He definitely is. So he's not he's not unifying the Empire, which is what you'd want from any leader. Even now, for a leader, you want someone that unifies rather than... Divides. Divide. Yes, yeah. yes, you do, don't you? Um, I'm going to give him a couple for his building work. Yeah, that's a pretty spectacular building. But that's all I can give him. I'm going to give him two. Okay. That's my favourite oh. number. I'm giving him more than two. No, he's not doing great, is he? Maybe his looks will win him over. I'm not hopeful. Okay. Image of I think someone determined, he's going to have like a determined slight frown. I think he's going to rock the beard again. Yeah. Haven't had many of his rocking beards recently. No, we haven't. Or sh- oh, no, short beards are in fashion. He's going for a short beard, 80s beard. 80s beard. Yeah, and you've got stern, goatee, curly hair. Yes. Okay. By well, goatee, I mean it's meant to be a full beard. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to draw in two dimensions. That's what he looked like. So, nothing what I No, nothing at all. Okay. Young, no beard, short hair. Dimple chin! Dimple chin, or someone's took a chisel <laughs> to his bust. <laughs> I think a dimple. Maybe dimple chin. He looks very young, doesn't he? He looks young. It's this very average. I'd say this is a this is reminding me of early Roman times. Yeah, short hair. Maybe you want to though, stylistically. Look at me linking myself to the past. Ah, yeah, exactly. It's a very good point. Very good point. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm, It's nothing special. He looks like a guy. 
He looks like someone you could bump into in the street. He looks very yeah. modern, doesn't he? I'm going to go for four myself. Yes, I'll agree. I'll break my two and then okay. I'll go four as well. That is eight divided by four. Two. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! That's why I did it. There we go. Tempo completo. So how long do you think all that took? Five years. Not bad, six. Okay. He ruled from 306 to 312, if you can call it ruling. <laughs> I suppose he did. So that is six. So through the spreadsheet, that is 0 0.75. Excellent. And that gives him a total score. It's not great. No. It's, uh, I mean, it's better than Severus. Of course. Which you'd hope, but he's still far behind the other people of the Tetrarch so yeah. far. On a mere 15.75. Oh, that's a shame. That is a shame. But, who knows? Maybe he's got it. Maybe he has that certain gene César. Do they have a certain gene César? Oh, no. I was disappointed, I'll be honest. I don't know why. Yeah. I thought he'd be really interesting one, because he was the usurper. He was trying to break into the Tetrarchy. I was expecting a little bit more. He was Maximian's son, who refused yeah. to play by the rules, but damn it, he'd get results. I think if we had more information about him, he would be more interesting. He is a bit of an enigma, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Because I, I do want to know more about him. Yeah. Which I never will. I don't think he's one of those automatic no, that's terrible. No, no, no. But I had to think for at least a couple of seconds. Equally, though, it's no. there's not much thought needs to go into it, is no. there? No, so that is, oh, unfortunately, well. like his father, no. Did he score higher than his father? No, no. His oh, father. I hate that. Oh, well. 37.25, Maximian. Wow. Way yes. doubled. Yes, way doubled indeed. <laughs> right. So that's no Genesis are this week. But as promised earlier, we have a little addendum to this week's episode. Yeah. Yes. To wave goodbye to the Praetorian Guards, who served Aww. us so well in the past. Yeah. With their cunning and their ruthlessness and their just crazy generally being horrible individuals. I've got a list of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of the most prominent Praetorian Prefects. Very, very brief summary of what they did, just to remind you. Yep. And then we're going to, to decide on our top three favourite Praetorian Prefects Excellent. of all time. Let's do it! Okay, so... Praetorian Prefects! In number one. Ooh. Chronological order this. Sejanus. Yeah! Yes who all but took power from Tiberius, only to be brought down at the height of his power yes. due to a letter sent by Tiberius to the Senate ordering his arrest. That's still my favourite story. Oh, it's a good story, isn't yeah. it? And he was very clever. He just did it so well. He just led everything. He manipulated things. He was a clever guy. You're talking about Tiberius there, or Sejanus? Sejanus. Yes, slowly eking the power away yes. from Tiberius. And he's played by Patrick Stewart. Well, that does help, doesn't it? That's going to add a few points. Yes. In number two, Macro, who quite possibly smothered Tiberius under the orders of Caligula. Yes, that's true. Yes. Mm. In number three, Cassius Chira. <laughs> Never did learn how to pronounce his <laughs> name. Who led the assassination of Caligula after being mocked for having a girly voice once too often. <laughs> I didn't have a girly voice. <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll see you dead. <laughs> in number four, Nymphidius. We're in Ooh. the year of the four emperors here. Remember that name. Turned the guard against Nero and declared that he himself should be emperor rather than Galba. <laughs> Step too far, killed by his own men. Yeah. In number five, Secundus. 
You might not remember Secundus, because we no, didn't use don't. his name very often, but he was in the plot to kill Domitian, oh, right. the one with the uh, broken arm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was then eventually turned over to his own troops in oh. the easiest siege of mm. the palace in history, where all the Praetorian guards just turned round. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Number six? Six. Number six, Cleander. I remember him. Cleander, under Commodus, managed to plot, scheme, and kill his way into becoming the Praetorian Prefect. Yay! In fact, he was the sole Praetorian Prefect, an office that usually has two mm. people in it. And he named his new sole office the Dagger Bearer. Oh dear. The levels of corruption due to Cleander meant that the whole system of, system of governance fell down around them during Commodus's rule alone. So he... He is... One of the main reasons for the fall of the Golden Age. Yeah. Well done, yeah. Cleander. Thanks, Cleander. <laughs> Commodus kills him as soon as the mob demand it. Yeah. Yes. Number seven. Latus. Latus planned the assassination of Commodus in the bath, and then mm. set up Pertinax's elevation overnight. Yeah, that's true. Remember, it turned out to be a very smooth coup, that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a pigeon. <laughs> Yes. Sorry. Number eight. Macrinus. That's right, Emperor Macrinus. That's ridiculous. Well, he's got a win, surely. Intercepted a letter that told <laughs> Caracalla yes. that he, Macrinus, wanted to be emperor, realised his number was up, so arranged the assassination of Caracalla, becomes emperor. Mm. Also, one of the most spectacular deaths. Yeah. Killing emperor during a poo. <laughs> Yes, that's very true. He himself was killed by Elagabalus. Mm. Number nine. Timosithius. Tim. Furious Tim. Yes. Essentially the emperor during the reign of Gordian III. Cleverly works his way through the ranks using skill, cunning and marriage. Seems to have ruled really quite well. Better than most of the emperors that would follow him during the crisis. Went off to fight Sharpor. Died in mysterious circumstances. Mm. In the desert. <laughs> Number ten. Carus. That's right, Emperor Carus. You might have forgotten this, but Emperor Carus was actually the Praetorian Prefect for a while. Yeah. Under Probus. Yeah. Yes. And he went on to become the Emperor and then get hit by lightning. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> and finally, Aristobulus. He deserted Carinus during the battle against Diocletian went over to Diocletian, turning the battle and leading to the formation of the Tetrarchy. Mm, mm. Yes. So, we've got a few names there. Yeah. Shall we whittle it down to our favourite five and okay. then we'll, we'll decide on our best three? Well, in my head, there are two that have certainly been very successful, Macrinus and Carus, because they became emperors. Right, I would agree with Macrinus. Put a tick next to him. Let's keep him. Okay. Carus was a useless emperor who is okay. known for nothing but getting hit out. by lightning. Out. He's out. Right. Um, Cleander, because he changed it for a one-position role. Yes, Cleander, definitely. He, yeah. he was ruthless. He was ruling under Commodus. He yeah. was called the Dagger Bearer. He yeah. can be in our top five. Furious Tim. Furious Tim was a brilliant leader. Goes without saying. Yes. I can't believe you've not say it, said it yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for my last choice. Oh, are you? Okay. So that's my last choice. <laughs> yeah. What would you go for? I'm actually very impressed with the latest. I think the coup 
getting Pertinax into power before anyone realised it yeah. was really a smooth coup. That took a lot of, yeah, okay, yeah. We'll take and there was no civil war. That's true. In the year of the Five Emperors. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Certainly not. that was because he couldn't keep Pertinax in power. The actual coup itself to begin with was impressive, so yeah. I'm willing to give that to later. Okay. So then go on your final one. Sejanus. I want to say it. Sejanus. Of course. Possibly the most famous of the Praetorian Prefects. Okay, so now we've got our top five. Just to recap, that is Sejanus, Cleander, Latus, Macrinus, and Furious Tim. Hmm. Top three. We need to get rid of two. Oh, I can't remember Latus. Get rid of him, then. You're right. He's, he's weaker than the others. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Macrinus had his day to shine when he was the emperor. That's true. He's already had the glory. He's already had the glory. And was he actually a great... Praetorian Prefect. Probably not. I don't remember what he did as Praetorian Prefect. Well, we became Emperor through it, but, you know. But yeah. during Caracalla's rule, you're focused on Caracalla. You're not focused on the Praetorian Prefect. So, down to our final three. So, that is Sejanus, Cleander, and Furious Tim. Ironically, Furious Tim being the really nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, well, okay. Let, well, let's talk about the, the, the pros of each one. Yeah. Number one, Sejanus. He pretty much ruled the empire. Yes. He manipulated, he worked his way up. He married into the family, or he yes. tried to. That yeah, was yeah. part of the plan, yeah. So that's positive for him. There was cunning there, such as yep. certainly. Cleander? Cleander did the same, though, just mm. under Commodus. He was and also... if you didn't Commodus, you... they're both like mental emperors, though, as well. Commodus and Tiberius. Yeah, they both um, take power away from an emperor that doesn't care about being in charge. That's true. So it's an all, easy all deal. All three of these rule, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, all three of them use their cunning to work their way up the ranks. So they they rule. So they've got cunning. Yeah. And the three. What else could we say? Fighting. How good were they at fighting? <laughs> ah, well, Furious Tim led the armies and was doing quite well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a point for Furious Tim. So Janus did nothing but try and get himself wealthy, and Cleander only tried to get himself wealthy. Okay, so we've given three points for Tim, then two for Cleander, two for Sejanus. Okay. Okay. Deaths. Yes. Yeah. See, Sejanus wins on that. Sejanus's death story is great. There's a brilliant setup. He's at the height of his powers. He thinks he's about to get his every wish, and it's snatched out from under him. He is a typical bad guy in a film. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah, it's just the perfect story. Yeah. Although, let's not forget, Cleander thought he was on top of the world. A mob chases him. He finally is safe, asks his emperor, who he's worked for, to protect <laughs> yeah. him. Commodus turns around and just goes, nah, <laughs> throws him to that's the true. That's quite a nice sense. Yeah, we'll give him a point for and that. And then, Furious Tim, you've got suspicious murder mystery in the desert. Ooh, yeah. Who killed him? Why'd they kill him? But we don't know. Was it Phil? Was but, it Big Phil? But we don't know. We don't know. So I quite like all their deaths, but I must admit, Sejanus has the edge here. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, we're there three apiece now. Oh, it's Tricky, Let's give it? another round. One thing that you could decide it. Um, impact. Who had the most impact, do you think? Uh, most change on the Empire, maybe? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'd say it was Cleander. Cleander brought down a Golden Age single handedly. <laughs> <laughs> In a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of change there. That's true. So Janus didn't bring about much change at all. Furious Tim um, was withholding the storm of the crisis quite well for a while. 
Gordian well, Breeze rain impressive. was actually quite calm compared to everything around it. Um, I think we're just going to have to boil down to yeah. who do we like the most. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be scientific. It's quite close, isn't it? Okay, I think I've got it clear in my head. Go on, what do you think? Number three, jump in and correct me when you disagree. Cleander. Yes. Single-handedly bringing down an empire. That's quite impressive, yeah. The most consoles in one year yeah. <laughs> under him because yeah. he is literally giving everything away. He just yeah. ruins the entire justice system, yeah. the economy, everything. Well done, Cleander, yeah. for being terrible. Number two, Sir Janus. Yes, I agree. For being the first Praetorian Prefect to really try and seize control. Yeah, and almost manage it. Almost managing it and having a brilliant story. But yeah. Furious Tim... For doing the job of an emperor and actually doing it well. Yeah. I think he deserves the best Praetorian Prefect Award. I agree. Well done. Little trophy. We didn't get any poppers this week. Shall we, uh, shall we get them out for Furious Tim? Furious Tim, you might, is... might have died long ago. But I'd like to think that he thought in the future he'd be recognised. Yeah. By two English people sitting on a couch yeah. doing a podcast on the internet. After debating for 10 minutes, decide that he is actually better than a depraved megalomaniac who brought down the empire. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Furious Tim. Tim. Woo! And there we go. Yeah. That's why I'm a cold, I can still smell it. Okay, well, that's the end of this episode. Yes. Yes. A couple of things to say first. Mother's Day this weekend. It is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to our mothers. Yeah, thanks, Mum, even though you're probably not listening to this. Well, I thank my mum, who does listen to this, yeah. and is even one of our patrons. Oh, thanks, Sue. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, I'm, I'm about to read out her name to say thank you. Yes, I am. Right. Good segue, eh? Yes. yes. Thank you to all our new members of the Senate, who we really appreciate that they are contributing, and they have... Listen to our Caesar episode, and uh, we got yeah. some good feedback from that. We did, yeah. We? Yes. They even wished it was longer. That, I um, don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard work getting all that it into one week. It really was. Yeah. Some late nights doing some research. Right, so thank you very much to M. Smith. Thank you. 122693. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Might be Marjorie Smith. Might be Mark Smith. Might be Morris Smith. It could just be Smith. Smith. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, Bath Barbara. Thanks, Babs. <laughs> no, cut that. Thank <laughs> you, Barbara. Thank you, Sam J. Kirby, 14. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Bajornus Majorus. There's a collection of letters there that don't what? usually go together. <laughs> Bajornus Majorus. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to Sheena77. Thanks, Sheena. One of our oldest fans. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Not by age. No, by no, length. I hesitate to. Well, not as in body length, fever. <laughs> um, she's been listening a long time. Yeah, thank yes. you. Thank you to Totalus Rankium for... Uh, that was me testing that it worked. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they're great supporters. Yes, they are great supporters. Thank you, Sue. My mum. Oh, thanks, Sue. Yes. Thank you, Liz Tracy, John Lang, Felix Mansbridge. I really hope that's his name. That's a cool name. Yeah, that's quite cool. Yeah. Daniela Mann or Daniel Lemon? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Daniela, yeah. isn't it? Um, thank you. Thank you, Brido Christie. Yeah. I think, yes. And Brenda Bethlehem. Yeah, thank you, all of you. It's yes. really nice. 
Yes, thank you very much. And if you want to get access to that Caesar episode and the upcoming Republic episodes, then feel free to join our Senate and support mm. us. It is hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Uh, also, you can get us on Facebook, Twitter. You can download us from iTunes, Podbean and Stitcher. If you want to become a patron, please find us on Podbean. And if you feel you can't contribute financially, that is perfectly fine, but it would be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes. That would be hugely helpful. And we have three to read out this week, I believe. Yes, we do. Interesting, informative, and entertaining. Five stars from Red Dragon 3. As with history, this could have been a dull rambling of dates, names, and events. However, Rob and Jamie have a knack of making you want to listen. Although they borrowed a scoring format from Rex (coughs) Fat... Allegedly. Another great podcast. They have put their own sting, sting on it? Their own stamp on it. The facts are presented in such a way that they are interesting, informative, and entertaining. When the facts get a bit thin, this does not deter them. The introduction of the Jeff line, the bumbling but well-meaning legionnaire whose grandson becomes a senator, and Roger, who seems to have become the imperial messenger, are skillfully woven into the episodes. We learn of some of the many hobbies, pastimes of the Emperors, collecting seashells, fighting killer whales, lions, flies, wandering the streets and alleys in a hooded cloak, building walls, hosting rather interesting dinner parties, and of course, fighting battles. Most die at the end of a pointy-ended object, however one was said to be hit by lightning. Well put together and presented, guys, I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for all the hard work. That's a nice one. That's That's a nice one, one, I like that. This one, Slept Through History! Transplant to Texas. I'm guessing you're from the USA. I must have slept through quite a few of my history seminars because I never knew that the emperors collected shells, had pet rocks, or set the land speed record for Vespa travel despite getting an undergrad in history. With honours. Congratulations. I'm so glad I found this podcast to fill the gaping holes in my knowledge base about the Roman emperors (laughs) so I don't look like a fool anymore. The visual elements added to their blog and Facebook page really help round out the picture of what's happening... But do they have a certain Gene César? Yes! Yes, they do. Hey, we oh, have Gene César. Thank you very much. Okay. Highest marks for Successus Ultimus by Wegogi. Oh, he's one of our senators, isn't he? Or no. she. I, I recognise... I remember not being able to pronounce that last time. <laughs> <laughs> if you like Rome and you like having fun, this is the podcast for you. Rob and Jamie leave no rock unturned in their exhaustive research for each episode and manage to present it in a fun and engaging manner. Keep it up. The good work, guys. P.S. Check out The Greatest Generation. I consider it to be the totalis rankium of Star Trek TNG podcasts. I, since you made that recommendation, I have listened to it, and yes, I agree, it is brilliant. Oh, is it? Is it good? Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Okay, then. TNG says for the next generation, by the way. Is it? Is it as good as ours? Next review! <laughs> An excellent podcast, perfect for anyone with a love of Roman history, from James Hogarth. He does sound British. <laughs> Having finished my degree in ancient and medieval history at the prestigious West Midlands University, go Brum! I find it very difficult to satiate my hunger for history in my job as an accountant. Through sheer luck, I stumbled across this podcast in a desperate search for something to remind me of that golden age. They've successfully cleared all available emperors from Augustus Severus II in just under two months. That's impressive. That's insane. It Can is. Imagine... That's a lot of listening. Bloody hell. It's a lot of listening. And I binge listen to podcasts as well. Yeah. And after a while, you kind your inner monologue in your head starts taking yeah, on. Yeah, it does. 
the voice of these people you keep listening yeah. to. So I'm really sorry, James, that you probably had my voice in your head. <laughs> You've got a very dulcet tone, so it's, oh, it's not too bad. Nice. It's a great listen for any historian of any level, and I thoroughly recommend it to anyone. Thanks to Rob and Jamie for taking time out of their lives to make this podcast. You guys are heroes. Cheers, James. Thanks, James. That was nice. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. What are you going to go for? Who gets a coin? Ah. Oh. See, I'm slightly biased towards one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it might have to be Red Dragon 3. Fair enough. I liked Red Dragon 3s. Yeah. They were all good, though. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's really nice. When we select one, it's not because we don't like the others. We really do, and we (laughs) do love them. Look at you, the diplomat. (laughs) Well, no, we do, we do like that, honestly, because Rob, Rob sends them via WhatsApp, don't you? Yes, I do. Every now and again, and I, I always smile and try and show my wife. My wife just looks disappointed, because <laughs> she doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> but, um, um, about the podcast. Um, but it always makes me smile when we read them. This is not you just <laughs> announcing the state of your marriage on the podcast. <laughs> it's all going downhill, guys. That's why I drink. Yeah, it's not quite that level yet. Okay, well, <laughs> moving on. Thank you to Red Dragon 3. Send your details to Jamie. We will send you a coin to thank you. Um, we have, in theory, sent all the coins out that we've promised in the past. With the information we've got, yes. Yes, so if you're sitting there waiting for one, please do let us know. It might mean we've mislaid an address or something. Yeah. Although, looking at that one envelope on your desk, I realise at least one person's not got their coin yet. That's all right. <laughs> That's fine. It's on its way. Right. <laughs> okay. Well... Regular sign-off time. Eased to meet you. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. South Africa. Declared in South Africa? I, <laughs> I am, am Africa. Africa. <laughs> look, at my, look at my foot. My chest is bizarrely hot and dry. <laughs> my crotch wet and moist. We need to stop that. Yes. <laughs> but more, more you. <laughs> Home oh. to much wildlife. <laughs> There's a monkey. <laughs> oh. A pet dog. This is my dog, Madagascar. <laughs> Full of lemurs. <laughs> well, they could be fleas. I don't know. <laughs>
Real quick. 